she's gone for eight days. She's going to go watch. She's got to go up to Oregon for her dad's house. Wait. Carlo, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. All right, so I'm here. I got Jersey Mike here, and so anytime you want to start, my friend. How you doing, Carl? Yeah. I, I hear you. Driggs. Driggs. Riggs. That's that's from my Jersey. My father used to drive a truck. <laughs> anyway, Is your name Mike Jersey or Jersey Mike? Whatever you like, sir. Just don't call me late for dinner. All right. Just don't call me, sir. Okay. All right. All right. That's even better. Yeah, Carl. I like you already. Hey, I hear you're Cuban. You get like them Cuban women down there? Oh, uh, you know, the thing about Cuban women is that uh, they're very dominating. <laughs> Wow, I don't like sounds, to be dominated. That sounds pretty good. They tie you up in the bedroom and all that good stuff. <laughs> I don't know about that, but they sure as hell feed you well. Hey, that's a good thing, uh, Carl. I like that already, man. That's a good thing. <laughs> okay, oh, so, my God. Okay, go ahead. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically just pretend that we just played uh, one of the songs, and then I'm going to say, guess what? I'm going to say, guess what, Jersey Mike? We got somebody who actually met and kind of inspired it along. I'll lead it into to you, and then you can take over and talk as long as you want. Yeah, how was it to party with all these old school bands and stuff? That must have been something of a lifetime. I'm just like, just even talking to you is uh, like an honor. Dude, that was another lifetime in my life. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it hey, was you, totally another lifetime. Do you remember the movie? Um, uh, there was a movie called Almost Famous about, um, I forget the, oh. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was that Absolutely, about the Rolling Stone writer? Yeah, exactly. The guy that became a Rolling Stone writer. Yeah, that yeah. was some good stuff. Did that Hyatt Riot place really exist where all that partying went on? Of course it did. Wow. Are you kidding? There was a way of life, man. Wow. So you were there, Carl? That must have been something. You probably got marks on you from females that are so fucking famous. That's unbelievable. <laughs> well, you know, I don't kiss and tell. I just tell little experiences that wow. I've gone through. Is, is, that's pretty good. Or is that from the good drugs that were back and then too? You can't remember who it was. Well, you know, I mean, I, I started. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I started. I started back in Jesus, nineteen sixty-five, playing drums in a garage band here in Miami, Florida. I had just come from New York, so I was. Uh, I became a drummer. You know, wow. And I was very. My family was poor, so you know we couldn't afford. For me to have a drum set or anything like that. So, you know, I had to take, I was still going to school, and I had to take the bus to Miami Beach where I became a uh, uh, um, a bellhop. I, be, I became a dishwasher, I became a bus boy, I became a lot of And making that little money, I was able to put away some some bucks on the side. And then when I went to buy it, I was underage and I needed a, uh, an adult, an adult to do the purchasing. So my uncle, God bless his soul, my uncle Felino, he, uh, he went there and he gave his name and uh, he did it for me. And I got my first set of drums, which was a Japanese set. It was Bobby Yamaha back then, but <laughs> Japan wasn't, wasn't that famous, you know? Wow, that's, uh, wow. That's that. I'll tell you what. Yeah. 
That's 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 just incredible because that's how most artists start out with nothing. They're poor, and you know they work their ass off, and then they become successful. No, I know. Wow. <laughs> I know. I mean, no, believe me, I am the most successful, unheard of person you'll, you'll ever meet. <laughs> I believe it, especially we're not talking on the phone, so it's a voice interaction. But other than that, that's pretty cool. Oh, it's, that's just crazy, man. What part of, know. Part of New York are you from? Manhattan. Oh, okay. You guys dumped all your shit on us because I'm originally from North Jersey on our beaches and stuff for years. So we got the toxic. <laughs> well, no, I was too young to dump shit around. <laughs> <laughs> He's like six years old. How old are you, man? Uh, oh, 45. Oh, jeez. No, no, I was already... You weren't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's a good thing or not a good thing, because um, you probably grew up around that time at a 54, one of the most iconic places I would have loved to have been to back then. Well, you know what? In 1969, when Woodstock came out, I was in this uh, band. I just, I've become, I had become a singer for about, I don't know, was it a year and a half or so? And I was in this band called the Year Two Thousand. You know, wow. We were into that that whole Bible thing that the world is going to end in the year two thousand. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happens when you're that young. You know, oh, you start wow. thinking all these crazy thoughts. But anyways, we put that band together, and we were we were in New York. You know, and we were uh, being booked by Premier Talent, and we were managed by the Mafia. How's that? How's that? <laughs> there you go. Hey, hey we had everything in the world. We had all the girls. We had all the drugs. But we had all the clothes. But we had no money. <laughs> I was just going to say, the mob gets all that. That's just the way that life goes. <laughs> Give no, you no, they took all the money. Yeah, they'll give you all the flash, uh, Carl, but they take everything. You know, it's amazing. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right, so you got But, anyways, you know, in 1973, I was in this band called Cracker. Okay, and we were doing our second album in Los Angeles. And we were being produced by Jimmy Miller. Hey, Carlo, let's, Jimmy let's, Miller, who let's, was start, let's start recording the podcast right now because you can make that as part of the lead-in to met David Bowie, okay? All right, so, okay, go for it. All right, so three, two, one. Well, guess what, Jersey Mike? We got a guest who's calling in today who kind of actually met David Bowie a couple of times no back way. in the 70s. Met David Bowie? Yes, it's my friend Carlo Driggs. He was lead singer of Paul Revere and the Raiders, had a band called Cracker, but he's on the phone. Carlo, are you there? I am here, man. Carlo, I'm Dixon. here. Wow, Carlo. I'm good. Driggs. I'm alive. That's a good thing. That's my age. Wow, your age. You're young. You got all those women yeah. down there. You got all those women down there in Miami. I saw pictures of you from the satellite this week. You got a lot of young looking hey. girls. Have you been looking at my site on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you do You that? have, haven't you? So no, I'm a happily married man now. You know, and I've been that way for the past uh, 17 years now. Wow. And I have a little girl that's 12 years old that uh, is in a magnet school, and she's taking up music, and next year she's taking up dance and drama, so she's kind of following in my footsteps, which is a very scary thing, you know. <laughs> but, uh, wow. you know, I have, to, I have to let her do her own thing. That's it, but at the same time... Uh... Carl, that's just awesome because you know what? That talent that you have needs to come out through other people and your family. That's even great. You can, you know, when them guys come at her, you can say, hey, listen, 
I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you sound like the boys from the old days. <laughs> so, Carlo, were you shocked when you heard of the death of David, the passing of David Bowie? You know, i got to be honest with you. I, uh, I was watching the Golden Globes, of all things, on Sunday night, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I was tired, you know, because i, I got to get up around oh, 5.45 in the morning and start getting my daughter ready to go to school and, and everything else. But this particular morning, I, you know, when I fell asleep, I forgot to turn off the TV. So it was still on NBC. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, all of a sudden, it's like I'm hearing David Bowie is dead at the age of 69. I'm going, I'm having a dream. What the hell is going on? So, you know, I like, I, I opened my eyes and I started looking at the TV and uh, there was his picture and it said that, uh, you know, he had just, he had been suffering for the past 18 months fighting cancer. I had no idea. I mean, it was a total shock. Yeah, he kept his I was a total shock. Excuse me? He kept it, they kept it a secret from the fans. I'm, I'm just speechless to that. And then he, I didn't know he married the model I'm on either. Oh, yeah. No, she's a, she's a gorgeous uh, oh, black nice. girl, you know. And he's been married to her for a long time. He's got two kids. Wow. But, I mean, you know, I've always admired David Bowie. He's always been very close to me, and he's always been a big inspiration to me as far as performing goes. His artistry is just beyond, you know. It's, it's off the scale. I mean, the man is is an innovator. He is he starts things and he reinvents himself and he keeps going and going and going. He's like the energizer bunny, you know. I could not imagine him dying. I mean, it's like you know, you you look at this man and to me he was like immortal. You know, he'll never, he'll never die. But uh, there he was, and he was totally gone and you know it's it's it was it was a hell of a day for me i was it's very uh very sad day i was very quiet i didn't everybody was posting on, on the internet and on facebook and all that and i just i, I just didn't have it in me to uh, to post anything because for so many years i have been doing songs by david bowie i mean i started doing David Bowie. I first heard his Honky Dory album back in 1969 when it first came out, which was, I don't know if it was 69 or 70, but I mean, it was early, and I was in this band Cracker at the time, you know? And I'm, we were in Chicago, and we were playing all over Chicago and, and the surrounding area. And I listened to that album day and night, and then he came out with Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. And I went like, oh my God, I want to do stuff like this. Who is this man? You know, it's like, I was totally uh, enamored with his whole image and his artistry of how he went about putting together stories. I mean, they weren't just songs. These things were stories. They were like plays, man. It's, it's like movies, you know? Uh, because, I mean, if you can just, I don't know how many people have read his lyrics, but I mean, if you read the lyrics, it will tell you everything about the song and where this man's head was, you know. His head was so far ahead of everybody else. While everybody was trying to come up with some cute little chant to uh, get a hit on the radio, he was coming up with operas. I mean, 
I mean, he's, I put him up there with uh, with Vess, with Mozart, with Beethoven. I mean, so his passing was very difficult for me because you know, as far as I was concerned, he was like a member of my family. And I only met him once. <laughs> and that one time was not, was not a very good uh was not a very good meeting. I mean, it was a great meeting because I got to meet him, but, uh, you know, those were the days of the bisexuality and and all that stuff, and we were, Cracker was the opening act for the Rolling Stones tour in 1973, wow. and we were up in Europe. Was that their Americana tour, American tour? No, that was the European tour, you know. Oh, wow. That's when they, when they came out with Goat's Head Soup. And when we got there, it was, I think it was late September. We got there late September, and we got into a big flat. We had, that's what they call a, like a, like an apartment, you know? They call it a flat. But this flat had like five, six bedrooms, and we all had our own bedroom, and one bedroom for our, for our road manager. And, you know, and it was, it was just funny because, you know, we were like, we were all Cuban, first of all, okay, except for one guy that was an American guy from South Bend, Indiana, and his name was Chuck Francois, or still is, because he's still around. Oh, wow, South but, Bend, okay. Indiana. Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, he was, he was a great keyboard player, great writer, great singer. So, you know, when we got there, you know, we were, the, the I think it was like five days later, was, you know, after we got rid of all the, uh, jet lag and everything, we were, uh, we were ushered into a, a, two Rolls Royce limousines and taken to Rolling Stones Records, because the thing was is that the Rolling Stones were going to sign us to their label. We were going to be the first American act to be signed to Rolling Stones Records. So we signed that day and everything, so they put us in another room where there was a studio and there was all these reporters and cameras are flashing and they're asking us questions, you know. Needless to say, I mean, we we never we never lost our uh, our cynical being cynical, you know, because when we saw when we saw the write ups, we go we were we were joyful cracker. What the hell does that mean? Joyful cracker. You know? You know, surprise cracker. It's like what are we, like a bunch of firecrackers? What? <laughs> what are we thinking? <laughs> you know, but to make, to make a long story short, you know, we were, we stayed in London for like about close to six months, and uh, we played Wembley Pool like three nights in a row, okay? Wembley three Stadium? Three nights in a row. Wembley, Excuse sta- me? Wembley Stadium? Wembley Stadium. Oh Wembley God. Stadium in London. Oh yeah, there was, I think the place held like 15,000, but it felt more like 100,000, you know, come, when all you see out there is just little heads wow. looking at you. I have a question, and, I have a question and for you, yes, Carl. How did that feel being on stage and knowing that people are, th- you know, coming to see you out of all those people? 15, 20,000, that's like a million people when you're up there. How, how does that feel? That's got to be like, I couldn't even imagine. Well, let me let me just tell you this. Opening night with the Stones was in Vienna, Austria. Okay? Wow. And I, I can't even pronounce the name of the, <laughs> of the hall. 
But uh, you know, we were used we were used to playing to you know three thousand people, five thousand people. You know, it was like the the enormity of it all. You know, and uh, when we got there, so we treated it the same. You know, we were like, hey, sh- nothing to it, man. Are you kidding? You know, so after we rushing for the tour and everything, we uh, we went to Austria and we arrived in Vienna, and then we did some sightseeing this and that. And the next night we had to open, you know. So we were the opening act, you know. When the next act was going to be Billy Preston, he was on the tour also, Ooh. and then the Rolling Stones. I didn't know know that. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, these, these are old days, man, good old wow. days. How, how, was it, how, was it to, how was it to be around Mick Jagger, Keith Richards? I mean, you're, you're looking at the probably most famous rock band of all time. The core of the Stones. Yeah, well, Mick Jagger at the time was very, uh, he was married to Bianca Jagger, okay? He had just oh, been married wow. to her. And, you know, and of course, you know, she was Spanish. She's from Nicaragua, I believe. And uh, so she loved the whole idea that he had a Cuban-American band, you know. And I ended up up being her escort every night to backstage. She wanted me to escort her. (laughs) And we used to talk a lot, you know. But the the thing with Mick Jagger back then, he was caught up in that uh, sexual revolution, revolution of the times, you know. Wow, so were you a hands-on type of guy, escort for that beautiful young lady? <laughs> uh, no, I'll be honest with you, I was very respectful, very respectful, you know, and, uh, oh, okay, it was called the Wiener Stocks Hall, Wiener, Wiener, or Wiener Stocks Hall, oh, and it was a beautiful, nice. yeah, you like Oscar Mayer, <laughs> Now you know where they come from. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's pretty good. We found out where they're made, everybody. Boy, it was just a beautiful indoor arena. It was a beautiful indoor arena that was packed to the max for like fifty to 20,000 people on our opening night for the Rolling Stones. And I didn't think much about it as I went about my regular ways backstage preparing for the show and warming up. And we used to open the show with this song called uh, So Glad I Found You from Cracker Brand Album. And uh, I would have to start out by hitting this horrifically high note in falsetto, half voice falsetto. And I was pacing like I always do, you know, backstage for a performance, you know, not paying any attention to what was out there in the audience. And then when they gave us a curtain call of five minutes, we all lined up in the back of the curtain, right? Because they had this really red, velvety curtain. I mean, like, really, like, it's something old, man. It was like history there, you know? Wow. And just waiting to be announced. And that's when I decided to take a peek at the crowd. Okay? And oh, my God. (laughs) I turned around and I said, have you guys looked out there yet? And I froze on my own words, you know? Wow. And that's when Artie, Artie Casado, and uh, Carlos Garcia was a bass player, studying my reaction, said to me, come on, brother, you got this. We were born for this shit. Come on. <laughs> so it was, like, very scary, you know? There was so many people, oh, my God. 
and you know it, it was frightening. And when, and when I heard the announcer, and I, I couldn't understand him until I heard him say "cracker," you know, what? Did you know "cracker"? It was like, okay, man, that's our cue, and we all ran up on stage. I closed my eyes, and I hit that freaking note from hell, and I heard the band come in, following me, come to life, and I felt like an ancient warrior leading the charge in a great battle in history. I mean. <laughs> wow, was, not... the biggest adrenaline rush I have ever had in my entire life the fear was gone it left me as soon as I hit that note and you know all the cockiness and the strength it all came back and it was ex an explosive 25 minutes that's all we were allowed 25 minutes that was our opening night in Vienna now when we got back to London we were doing three nights in a row at Wembley Pool. Oh. And, you know, I, I really didn't pay that much attention to Wembley Pool. What the hell? What? I'm thinking, you know, there's a swimming pool in here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, you know, Mick Jagger was very, how can I say, uh, he was a very obscure kind of guy. You know, he wouldn't just talk to anybody, you know, he's very much to himself, you know, with all his makeup and all that, you know, and he would laugh every once in a while with with one of the guys. Now, Keith Richards was the total opposite. He was very outgoing and very, very cool. So Mick Jagger, I mean, Mick Jagger started doing the makeup thing before Ziggy Stardust brought in, kind of. You know, I don't know who started first, to be honest with you. Because David Bowie was, I mean, David Bowie, have you ever seen that video of him singing with Bing Crosby? Yes. You know, the little drummer boy? Very different. <laughs> That's how far back he goes, you know? Wow. I mean, so, you know, he was into show business wow. way before, uh, I mean, he was, he was going to take a different road to show business. You know, I think he wanted to be more of a writer and performer, you know, as far as being an actor, because he was a great actor. He really was. He was, yes. Yeah. He was an incredible actor. And the way the way he did things, it was always about the art. Even way back then, you know, he changed his whole look. I met him that night, opening night in Wembley Pool. Oh okay? And he was there, and him and Mick Jagger were all chummy chummy, you know? And you know, and they were kissing each other and messing that and I'm going, Oh, oh man. I think we got a uh, uh, we got a good we got a bomb here. Yeah, wow. Yeah, what what's going on over here? Wow. What's this what's the story? <laughs> I, I, you know? I, I think the story is one like to hit and one like to receive or pitch, you know what I mean? What are you gonna do? Yeah, or they like they like both things, you know? Yeah. And uh so it was, uh, when meeting David Boy, I mean, did you go up and shake hands with him or say, how do you do, my name is Yeah, we all, we all did. We all shook hands with him. And that was back then when he used to look like Woody Woodpecker. I mean, that's what we call him. Wow. You know, we said, oh my God, it's Woody Woodpecker in person, you know? Wow. He had all the makeup and his hair was like, I mean, fire red, okay? Really? And it had like, this thing that it is, it was, uh, I mean, it looked, we, we just saw Woody Woodpecker, you know? <laughs> wow. 
So, you know, so after, after the whole night, after the whole night, after we played and all that, you know, he complimented us and said, quite, quite nice, quite nice. I, I quite enjoyed that. Wow. <laughs> and we went, does wow. that mean he liked it? I mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite, you know, it is quite, it is quite. <laughs> so like, okay, so this is amazing. On our Shiny Squirrel podcast, we have a man who actually, actually met, worked, was complimented by David Bowie. I mean, life doesn't get sweeter than that for guys in Vegas like us. I say so, yes. I mean, this is... Oh, like, well, I don't know if what I'm going to tell you next is going to be too sweet, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think now would be a good, a good time just to make the announcement that Carl Driggs will be coming part of our network in about every two weeks. He's going to be doing a podcast, phoning in his own, called Driggs After Dark. Well, there you go, baby. I'd like to I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to hang out with Mr. Or, uh, Carl Driggs after dark just to get his second and thirds from the old days. Some of them older women that could come my way. Hey, Jersey Mike. Hey, you like tequila? You like tequila? We can hang out, baby. Oh, yeah, I like tequila. The Spanish women will kill you, but you know what? Like a good Cuban cigar, a good Cuban sandwich. And now the fact that the U.S. is open to all trades with Cuba... Life is good now. This should it should have never happened as long as it did, but at least everything's open and we have uh, no, it stuff is. going on. It is, you know, it's all politics, man. Politics is so much crap in politics. <laughs> you know, uh, who wants to make a mark? Who wants to be put down in history as the first man to do this? And everybody, I'm the first that did this, and I'm the first that did that. And you know, it's like. What the hell? Who cares? Who cares who the first was, you know? Exactly. If you, were, if you were the first, believe me, your name is going to be all over, you know? Well, There's no need for you to say, I was the first. Hey, if Jersey Mike you know? gets a shot at getting a run at L.A., which I'm, I'm hoping for one day, uh, Carl, I don't know if I'll be hey, the first, be I won't be the last. I know that. <laughs> Believe me, I've been to L.A., I've been to Hollywood, it's not what it's all prepped up to be. <laughs> oh, after hearing your but, party stories, yeah, I don't know about that one. You just kiss and, you don't kiss and tell, you're like a gentleman. Well, Carlo, can you email me those files of you doing, back in your days with the news of uh, singing? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, I just haven't had time to uh, put it down on the, on, the, on the software and even out some of the, uh, some of the volumes because... You know, it was a rehearsal. The funny thing is, my my old drummer and my very best friend, who was who was with me from Cracker and Beyond, Cardi Casado, he uh, he had this tape of us when we had this band called Drinks in the News, okay, and uh, and that was in 1978, and it was the first time in my entire career that I got a chance to actually do what I wanted to do live on stage. And I chose to do David Bowie because, wow. you know, well, and no matter what, and he sent me, he sent me a rehearsal tape that we did, and uh, the song is started out with uh, Space Oddity, oh, wow. and it went changes, and the last song of the three of the medley was uh, Suffragette City. Oh, wow. You know, and I mean, this is something that you did in 1978, 
you know, it's like when you, uh, back in those days, you would have one of them little tape recorders, you know, that uh, cassette tape recorders, and you would, you would press play and record. And leave it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> went in there, you know. Well, even if you don't have time something to... that I used for the longest time when I was writing songs, you know, and I would sit at the piano and I would turn it on and do this. This is with a whole band, so, you know, the volume's kind of, you know, fluctuates here and there. So I kind of want to stream it out before I let anybody hear it. Well, but, I mean, even... But the funny thing, the funny thing is that already played it for a couple of people. This uh, is just, just prior to David Bowie passing away. And they all said, oh my God, where did you get that bootleg of David Bowie live? They already said, that's not a bootleg. That's, that's my friend, Carl Driggs. You know, he, 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 was doing, he was doing David Bowie back in 1978. Back in 78, get out of here, man. Look at wow. the bootleg thing. Why? It was like, no, it's not. You know, so. Wow. And as I listened to it, I went, oh, my God. Listen to this. Well, if, oh. you, if you can email me the file, I'd just like to use like a small 15-second snippet of it, of the, of the good stuff. Okay, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, by the time it gets to changes, it's really good. The beginning of uh, uh, Space Oddity, I mean, it's it was a whole production, Okay. Wayne, you see those pictures of me on Facebook, right? That yes. The candy store sent me, yes, and all that, you know. And I had the uh, the tight uh, the tight clothes or like zebra outfit. Yes. Well, I mean, that's when I was doing it. That was the band. Wow. You know, and uh, it's just it, it just blew my mind. I played it for my wife. She goes, I didn't know we had that David Bowie uh, song. There. I'm going, it's not David Bowie. It's me. Yeah, even if you don't no, have time to, if you, even if you don't have time to clean up the track, just email it over in its raw format, and I'll clean it up as well. Okay, I will. Cool. I will. I promise. Wow. I just, I've just been busy today, Wayne. I haven't had time for anything. Yeah, go ahead. And you know? just shoot it over email when you get a ch- when you get a second. Okay. 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 No problem. I would love to put a bit of it into this into this podcast. Okay. Wow. Okay. This is like, you know, this is like the earth stop today. David Bowie dies and we talk to uh, Carl Driggs. I mean, this is doesn't get better for two guys, nerdlings in Vegas, does That's it? it? Nope, doesn't get better than that. <laughs> no, oh, come on, guys. You're in, you're in Las Vegas. Come on, man. Not, Give me a wait place. a second. Wait a second. Not, I got to say this. Not unless Madonna comes. I'm, I'm a big Madonna fan. Have you ever had the pleasure? <laughs> oh, I love her? Madonna. You know, I'll tell you something. If it wasn't for David Bowie, Lady Gaga, Madonna. Uh, Annie Lennox. I mean, so I mean, the, the list just goes on and on and on and on. That he, that man, has inspired to for them to do live performances in in a very artistic way. You know, wow. I mean, the man was a true artist. I mean, I just I just took a look at his video, uh, Lazarus. It's it's chilling. It is chilling because even in his deathbed. And his deathbed, he is saying goodbye to everybody. Yeah, his album, oh. his, album went, his album did go to number one. Black Star did. Wow. Oh, it better. Wow. It better. I mean, why is it that you have to die in order to be so recognized, you know? It's like, come on. You know, the man has been there alive in front of you forever in a day, you know? It's like, now I'm watching, I'm watching all these... Uh, 
because they're doing it to Michael Jackson now. They're doing it to Elvis for the last 30-something years. They do it to oh, everybody. No, I, I know. They've been doing it to Elvis. for. Maybe it was like the first one they started to do it for, you know. But, you know, I understood that more than anything because it was people that loved Elvis, you know, and they were doing it because they wanted to look like Elvis. They've always wanted to be like Elvis, so they went that way, you know. But all of a sudden, you know, you got all these little rock bands that go, oh, I know, you're going to do a tribute to Bowie, you know. And they all cut their hair, and, and they uh, huh. and they uh, they color their hair like you're Ziggy Stardust, and like, no, come on, guys, please, don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, the man is, the man's body is not quite cold yet, you know. Huh. And, uh, and you're, and you're doing this, you know? It's like, give the man his respect. Give him this, you know... Exactly. His, let, let, a, let like a decade pass and then do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, David Bowie, to me, has been the biggest inspiration as a, as, a, as a singer, as an actor, as a performer that I have, could have possibly ever had, you know? It started, it started with uh, Wayne Cochran down here in Miami. I don't know if you ever heard of Wayne Cochran, have you? Yes. Okay, Wayne Cochran was, you know, blue eye soul, man. I mean, he was he was incredible front man and that and I learned from him first. That's who I learned from, you know. I, and I was like sixteen years old when I went to see him. I couldn't get in. No, I was in I was I was about seventeen. But I couldn't get in because I was underage. So we were we were going to leave, you know, it's like, you know, one of the, 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 the men at the door said, we can't <laughs> So, you know, let's get that niece, let's go to the back where the stage is and listen to him, you know, because all we could do was listen to him. We couldn't see him, but we could listen to him. So as we had our ears to the door, the door first wide open, wide open and you hear this man coming out and say, what the hell are you kids doing out here? <laughs> And, you know, we were looking, I, I swear to God, we were looking at this six-foot-five giant of a man with platinum hair and a pompadour as high as it can go, which made him look even bigger. Wow. You know, and this, and this bright, shark-skin green suit, you know, wow. and then he was wearing heels on top of it, so he was even, wow. he was even taller. Wow. He was like a giant, you know. And, you know, my friends, they didn't speak very good English, you know, so it was up to me, because uh, I spoke, I've always been able to speak good English without, without the accent, you know, and uh, and I said, uh, well, sir, you know, uh, we've admired you for so long, and I, I'm, I'm an aspiring singer, I want to be, I want to learn from the very best, and the word around town is, you are the very best. You know, you're the one. If you, anybody wants to learn anything, you're the man to listen to because you are the best. You're number one. Blah, 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 blah. And I just went on, you know, just, just telling him how I felt about him. You know, and he just stood there silently. And he had these steel gray eyes, you know. Wow. And they just peered into my soul. Wow. You know, he just peered into me and he said, and all of a sudden, he had a smile on his face, and he said, well, hell, that's all right, Chris. Wow. 
Well, Carlo, back I with me. To... Follow me, boys. <laughs> so, well, Carlo, so we all we all followed him backstage. Met met the boys in the band. Nice. Uh, producers, his up and coming uh, musicians and uh, singers, and you know, it was like the night of my life. You know. Then he took us to the stage and he put us to the side and he said, "Nah, you boys shit here. Don't freaking move. You understand?" So <laughs> like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All Whatever right. you say, wow. sir. Now, for all you people out there hearing our podcast, this is some real good down-to-earth shit you're not going to hear anywhere else. This is rock and roll history you're hearing about. This is. This is it. This is the big time, you know? This is Carl Driggs we're talking about, Paul Revere and the Raiders. Also had a band, Cracker. Foxy. Foxy. Was involved with a lot of good stuff. He knows a lot of people. So buy his stuff. Buy his albums. He's got new stuff coming out. Listen to his podcast. And let's pop this man back to where he should be on the Walk of Fame in Hollywood. <laughs> well, you know, you know what? I mean, I'm, uh, this next Wednesday, I start recording again. I'm recording a, a new rock album, which is which will be my first since, oh my God, uh, 2000, 2007, 2007. Wow. That was the last time I recorded anything. Wow. So, and I mean, and these are all my original songs that I've had here, and some of them were written by a good friend of mine, Dick Wagner, who also knew David Bowie and Lou Reed. Dick uh, Wagner we was, both did. Just for clarification, Dick Wagner is Alice Cooper's right-hand man and guitar player and songwriter. That's right, he was. He also wrote Only Women Bleed, that Alice Cooper made into a hit. Wow. But, uh... Uh, I'll be doing a couple of his songs that he wrote specially for me way back in 1979. Wow. That's when it was. You know, so it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting, man. It's an exciting <laughs> but, you know, a lot of these songs that I have, wow. you know, they're like kind of bowish, bowish, uh and Rolling Stones, it's like a mixture of all three into one. It's a love title you know? of unknown yet. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Love the what? Of unknown. As long as you keep your dick the in your pants and you don't get a love child. <laughs> hey, they, can you say dick on the radio? On a podcast, you can. <laughs> on a podcast, you can. Can you say the F-bomb? Yes, you can. <laughs> I've been holding it back, baby. You know I'm a musician. You know how I talk, Wayne. Yes, I do. <laughs> But I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm badly spoken. Well, oh, I, that man has no education. <laughs> Look at the way he's speaking. I think we're going to have to oh, do this whole interview on, as a single standalone podcast as well. Oh, 100%. Well, I, that'd be great. That'd be great. I mean, what the hell am I going to talk about? I'm gonna, well, I got a lot of things to talk about. I always have a lot of things. That's why we'll you know, I have my political views, although I hate politics. I don't like politics. I just don't like well, let me politics. Ask you, let me ask you a question. Discussion. Why don't you run for governor of Florida? You'd probably be a first-time winner. Oh, well, you know, I, that would be a beautiful thing, you know? Until he's really in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until he sees who the hell I am. And they go, no, no, wait a second. No. But with some of the other politicians, you'd probably be a, a, a bright, shining star. You know what I mean? People would love you. You're at least honest about it. A lot of these people like yeah. to put their stuff dead skeletons in the closet. 
Well, I know. Speaking of being in the closet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carlo, I want to thank you for calling in and putting this little segment in for that we're going to put into the David Bowie Unicities. Unicities. Hey, absolutely. Jersey Mike, anytime. Carl, it was great talking to you. Hopefully one day I get the pleasure of meeting you because you sound like a very awesome individual. And people, buy his stuff. Carl Driggs. On Facebook. On Facebook. Buy the man's stuff. The man is a cult classic hero. The guy knows Bowie, met Bowie. The, the guy's just endless. Just buy his stuff. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Not a problem. It was nice talking to you. And you know, Wayne, Great talking to you. Thank you. And so next much, time man. we meet, if we do meet, we're going to have some tequila shots and some Cuban cigars. Oh, that's for me. That sounds good. <laughs> you right. got it, baby. <laughs> Cuba, I'll tell you what. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they should have you over there as the president. Give you, you know, some stuff. Hey. Right. Uh. I don't know. I mean, I, I would love, I, you know, I haven't been to Cuba since I was, I mean, I came to this country when I was seven. I had to return when I was eight, and then I came back at the age of eight. So since the age of eight, I have not seen Cuba, oh you know, except gosh. for wow. except for pictures and uh, wow. and movies and movies, you know. And usually the movies were all filmed, but Puerto Rico looks very much like Cuba, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> But it'll never be Cuba. You know, oh, I mean, no, sorry. So just imagine. One other one other very Cuban uh, famous singer, Gloria Stefan. Oh, yeah. She's from Gloria there, too. So that's like, you know, you guys got some very awesome people that come out of that area. Kind of like Jersey. No, I know. Jersey, they I say, know. is like, uh, you know, the toxic vegetable weight zone. But we got a lot of good people out of there, too. You sure? I mean, Bruce Springsteen, to say, just to mention one. <laughs> Yeah, got some actresses, Susan Sarandon, you got Bon Jovi, you know, you got, I don't even know. It never ends. I can get into this all day, but we don't have time. Hey, let me tell you something. I've been to Asbury Park. I had a real good time over there. Really? <laughs> I could imagine. The Stone Pony. The but we ain't going to talk about that. <laughs> no, Carl. We'll leave that for another night. Yeah, that sounds like a tequila shot night. <laughs> yes, sir. That sounds very good. All right, I'll talk to you soon, Carlo, and I will wait and, and uh, watch for those files then, okay? Okay, my friend. All right, thank you. You guys take care, okay? Thank you very much. Be safe. Good thank night. you. You too. Good, Good night. night. Good night.